Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Emma. You guys, we have big news for you. You have to tell them. You have to tell them. (laughs) Okay, for the first time since March 10th, Julie and I are reunited in person, and together we are recording this podcast from my mom's closet. I can't believe it. This feels like a dream, not not to be dramatic. (laughs) I was just going to say that. When I woke up this morning and I was like, okay, we have to go into the closet, it did not feel real that we were doing this together. We were both a little nervous, admittedly. Okay, I have to tell you guys something. Julie and I, who I feel like could not be more natural with each other, were genuinely nervous because we've gotten so accustomed to listening to each other talk from behind a screen. Like I'm, I'm doing things normally when you're talking. It's, I don't know. There's just yeah. a totally different set of rules that applies when you're doing it virtually. So now to be back, I genuinely forgot what this was like. How do you think it feels now? Now it feels totally normal, natural, right? Normal. Yeah. I miss not, I'll tell you one thing I miss not having. I miss not having like our big headphones and the big mic in the studio. Yes. Yeah, of course. But I think it's nice to be able to speak in person. Like, I don't feel like I'm I'm so much less worried about speaking over you. Well, that and also not worried about the lag. And also, I mean, people sometimes say, you know, you guys constantly are asking for validation. It's like, yeah, because when you're speaking into an abyss, you can't see someone's facial reaction. So now I can see if you're nodding or if you're looking at me like what I'm saying is making no sense. Yeah, that'll be really nice. I'm so interested to see how people feel this one is versus the other ones that we've done. Oh my God, I feel like we're doing an experiment or something. We kind of are. Yeah. Yeah. Should I tell them why you were here? Oh, it was your birthday yesterday. It was my birthday yesterday. I'm 26. And so Julie and Isabel came again, my first time seeing them since March 10th. So it was Isabel sleeping right now in our guest bedroom. I can't believe we're together. I really can't. It's like kind of crazy. No, it's the best thing ever. We had so much fun. How did we go this long? Why did we go this long? I don't know, but we picked up right where we left off. Oh, yeah. Julie got here and I just handed her an edible. I got here. I was sitting in your house before you got home. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was smoking at your kitchen table and you walked in the door. (laughs) Well, my dad had rolled four joints so we could all have our separate joints. So thoughtful. So thoughtful. What a host. Oh, my God. What a mensch. Shall we? I I guess so. (laughs) Okay. The first thing I want to say before we get into black owned businesses or the stories, and don't worry, we're going to be talking at length about Demi and Max because that is some shit for lack of a better phrase. But I feel like it would be remiss for me to have a podcast and not say, of course, last night, Isabel and I watched Real Housewives of the Potomac. Julie was actually there. She watched it too. You guys, I cannot wait for this Bravo episode. I don't know when we're going to do it. It may be earlier than Friday if we feel like we can't even wait, depending on how good we think New York secrets revealed are going to be because that Potomac episode, if you're a Bravo watcher, was one of the craziest things I've ever experienced. And even you, Julie, who knows nothing about Bravo can admit that was wild. I was just going to say, be honest, you want me to come on for that episode? I would love you to come on for your immediate reaction. It was wild. Wild. Anyway. Okay. Let's do it. 
As you guys know, every week we are highlighting a Black-owned business, and this week it's called Alexandra Winbush Candles and Tea. Their slogan is self-care moment delivered to your door. And the company was founded by Brittany Alexandra Winbush, based in Brooklyn. They have very cool candles. Personally, for me, I just, especially when it gets fall, that's my favorite thing to bring as a gift, which is how I find a lot of these businesses. Um, their Instagram is at the Alexandra Winbush, and the website is alexandrawinbush.com. Okay, Jewel, you ready for Demi? I am so ready. Okay. We actually have not spoken about this at all because our last episode was Monday. So we don't even. Oh, this is going to be good. Lot. Okay. So news broke on Thursday that Demi Lovato and her fiance, Max, had called off their engagement after two months. And a source had told people, quote, it was a tough decision, but Demi and Max have decided to go their separate ways to focus on their respective careers. They have respect and love for one another and will always cherish the time they spent together. Just to bring you guys up to speed, they started dating in March 2020. They got engaged on July 22nd on the beach in Malibu. Remember that rock that she had on her finger? And just now, September 24th, the news breaks that they're calling off their engagement. So this all kind of happened pretty quickly. And before we even get into his response, because to me, that was the most fascinating aspect of this Mm -hmm. entire story, I do want to mention that this breakup comes a couple of weeks after those old tweets from him about Demi, Selena, and Miley had surfaced. And if you guys remember, they were basically just, for lack of a better phrase, fangirling tweets. Right. And the thing that's really crazy about them is that when you and I initially spoke about it, there were ones that had come up from like 2011, 2010. So we were like, okay, it's a little weird, but like it's so long ago. And then there were ones from like 2018 of him talking about marrying Selena, him following all of these Selena fan accounts on Instagram, him commenting on Selena pictures being like, like something about her, like him sliding into her DMs, like all much more recently than I think any of us originally thought. Yes. And I want to first remind you guys of Demi's response to these tweets before I get into another point. But just 10 days ago, she had storied on her Instagram and said, you know, basically it's really sad when people put fake images to pit women against each other. If women have conflict, that's between them, not you. Basically saying that these tweets that had resurfaced about him fangirling over Selena and Miley were doctored images. Which I remember what happened was, it wasn't last week's podcast, it was either two or three weeks ago. You and I did a whole maybe 10 minute segment on this and then we took it out of the podcast because we were like, honestly, I don't know if the images are real or fake and also we felt like we sounded too mean. Do you remember? Right. Yes. Yes. We were basically saying this feels really weird. Not that it's weird to, I completely understand at a certain time in your life, being overly enthusiastic about a celebrity and then not knowing that you're going to marry that one. Like that's not fair to say. Right. And I don't think the Selena element even plays into it, meaning Selena and Demi's relationship. I'm saying no matter who the celebrity was to have that level of enthusiastic tweets as recently as two years ago for to anyone feels a little bit weird to me. It was. And especially because like two years ago or so, he was already in the industry. Like when we were approaching the tweets, I think we were coming at it from an angle of very like, okay, he wasn't famous. He was like, obviously we all have these things where we love celebrities. We go through different phases. Like Isabel had a One Direction fan account. She would hate for that to be used against her later in life. Like that kind of a vibe. Um, So I think that we were, while we thought it was definitely weird, I think we were also trying to give the benefit of the doubt, being like, it doesn't mean about their relationship. It's just kind of a weird character trait. But considering that they were so much more recent than we thought, I think that it definitely... In 2018, I'm going to marry at Selena Gomez. I'm sorry, personally, to me, a 2018 tweet like that is different than a 2011 fangirl. And also like... I feel like the way you talk about celebrities and like your involvement with them has to change over time based on age, not even based on celebrity status. So like tweeting like I'm going to marry the celebrity like is a very like middle school thing to tweet. Like whereas like when you get a little bit older, you kind of like refine the way that you approach your celebrity obsession. Like it's not like you don't care about them anymore. It's not like it's not so like quote an obsession, but you kind of like alter the way you talk about that person and his tweets didn't at all. Yes, exactly. And so this to me is the craziest thing ever. So he takes to his Instagram story. We have them all screenshotted, and I think this is in the right order. First, he says on a story, on a notepad, imagine finding out the status of your relationship through a tabloid while you're in the middle of filming a biopic movie about a pastor in a Christian church whose intention of the film is to help people. New slide, God bless. So we're like, wait a fucking second. Are you claiming that you had no idea about this breakup 
And then second of all, you're going to add in the fact that you're playing a pastor in a movie to almost what make us feel worse. Right. Like I don't get what the correlation there is. Okay. This, I want to read them all because I have so much to say. Okay. He then stories, I was on the set of my new movie, Southern Gospel, with crew and cast members right next to me who literally watched me open my phone where I then opened a tabloid. This is the God's honest truth of how I found out about the ending of the engagement and have people from my film who saw the whole thing go down and help me get back into character to continue my job. I had cast and crew with families relying on me to do my job. That being said, please end this narrative and focus on other more important issues in the world. I love and forgive everyone involved. Let us be, let us heal. God bless. He then stories a picture of a text that he had sent that said, to find out over the internet was beyond anything I could have ever imagined a person could do to another human. And he writes, leave me alone. He then does another screenshot of a text that's basically saying people were being sent to his set to break into his home. Another one, for I'm just a human being who has to go to work tomorrow a.m. where there are families with kids relying on me. Thanks, God bless. P.S. To this moment, we haven't spoken over the phone. We haven't even officially ended anything to each other. Literally. I'm here in real time with y'all. I love Demetria and just want her to be healthy and safe. You decide. If you're reading this, I love you always unconditionally, no matter what. Next, in a very, in my opinion, kind of bizarre turn of events, he starts posting screenshots from Spotify of different Demi Lovato music. So first he posts Don't Forget, which is a song that she released in 2008, keep in mind. The caption is, I've respected and loved Demetria since I was 15, and my friend Samara, whom recently passed, took me to her concert. Next screenshot. Demetria is the best female vocalist alive, and everyone should know it. Next, a screenshot from her song, Catch Me. She inspires me every day and is an incredible human being. I know it's not her writing these stories. It's a machine. I love her unconditionally. Demetria, I love you always and forever. I can't even take this seriously as I'm writing it. Next one, her, her song, Anyone. Give Demetria the Grammy she deserves. Thanks. Next one. Go stream okay to not be okay. The lyrics are incredible. Her voice is impeccable. Keep it at number one forever. It's what Demetria deserves. I love you. Next one. At Recording Academy, this deserves best song. Thanks. No, no, no. No. I didn't realize how, like, Julie, until you were reading it. This guy, there's some shit going on right now. Wait, also, it's so weird because the whole thing presumably is about, like, him and his fangirling behavior. Like, he's trying to win her back by fangirling over her. I'm so confused by it all. This to me, this is a, this is number one, this is master manipulation. Oh yeah. So he's completely victimizing himself. He's adding in the whole Christ element to make him sound holier than thou. Although he's playing a pastor, which I feel like is a little bit confusing. We have to talk about that point for one second. Like just because you're playing a pastor doesn't mean anything. That would be like if Daniel Day-Lewis was going through a divorce and he was like, but I freed the slaves. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. There's something so, so severely off about that. No. And then, and then, by the way, if he's serious about, you know, wanting to win her back, you think this is the way to go about it? No. First, victimize God, yourself no. for not knowing. Then add in the pastor part, which is a plot in a movie. Then kind of demand the Recording Academy that she gets a Grammy and also posts her songs from 12 years ago. Imagine if the Recording Academy was just like, no problem, Demi, we want you to get back with your fiance, so we've decided to give you that Grammy you wanted. Yeah, wh- and he's like, thanks. Thanks. No. Don't mention it. I'm sorry. This, to me, you know, I, when we when we had cut it out a couple weeks ago, it was kind of like, she's so happy. What's, you know, why are we going in about this? Who cares if we think it's weird? Clearly right. she doesn't. Now my opinions have totally changed. This guy clearly, you know, it's unfortunate for his sake, because to me, now that I'm seeing this full picture, to me, he comes across as such a master manipulator and he feels like he finally got her and he just couldn't keep it together long enough. He right. couldn't even make it to the engagement, to the marriage. To the, to the marriage. Yeah. Like he, like it, because it was just such an illogical thing. It was never going to work. It was never. He made it as long as he could make it. Yeah. It's really crazy. And the thing that you and I were saying also is that like with Demi – it's just like, how could you, and I don't mean this judging her in any way. I just mean like what internally must be happening is like, how could you be so off? Like, how could I, how could I misjudge a, a situation so severely? Well, it's kind of like you you were saying this yesterday. It's kind of like how we talk about the Khloe Kardashian situation yeah. of things where of course you start to doubt the person that you place trust in. But I think on a certain level, you start to question your own judgment. And I think what's unfortunate for Demi is to me, she just comes across as someone who wants to love so deeply and wants to be loved so deeply. And clearly this guy was fulfilling something for her. And I think it must have 
blinded her to something else. I don't know. I mean, everybody can get fooled. It's not her fault at all, but I'm, I'm actually happy this is happening because thank God she got out of it before. Thank God. Also the whole wanting to be loved thing, like definitely plays into this. Like the whole idea of like somebody fangirling and then not being able to differentiate those two things. Like it's really interesting because if you remember when Britney Spears was like really going through it, like in like, you know, the the worst part of her phases and she was dating that guy who was the paparazzi and everyone was like you're now dating somebody who spent their entire life harassing you it was like kind of the pro- reason for all of your problems and everyone was kind of saying like it's really such a Stockholm syndrome situation because when you're a celebrity who feels like they love you the most it's paparazzi chasing after you so you misplace that and that then becomes love and I feel like with Demi it's possible that she was searching so much for love that this whole idea of somebody fangirling her quote-unquote was like almost the Stockholm syndrome situation like who loves you the most what more can I get love from than a fan who's obsessed with me it's not a it's not a crazy thought I would I mean I don't know enough about what was going on in her mind I also just think something that upsets me is that she came out really hard in his defense saying that those tweets were doctored, the ones about Selena and the ones about him fangirling. And I think at this point we can pretty much chalk up that they weren't. No, hard no. So now she kind of like put her neck out in defense of him to make herself, not to me, she doesn't look dumb, but I'm saying I could imagine her in her eyes being like, and now I look so dumb. But I will say, I think it takes an incredible amount of strength for her to call it off at this point because- Like, I just think that it could have been so possible for her to be, like, very embarrassed about the situation and kind of drag it on so it seemed like it ended for another reason and that was just, like, completely unrelated and they just kind of grew apart over time. Like, for her to step up and be like, okay, I'm not putting myself through this shit anymore. I'm ending it, like, before anything else can happen was, I think, like, a lot of growth for her. I completely agree. So many people would have not just for sake of not wanting that media attention of like told you so. I would have married and had seven yeah. kids. Yeah, just for the sake of not having you to. You literally would just so that you didn't have to say you were quote wrong. It's not even like wrong. Like that is like a different level of wrong. I know. No, I think it takes so much more strength to acknowledge that you're in a bad situation and get out of it. And also the other thing is that we haven't heard from her side. I'm dying to know what's going on on her end. Right. Oh my God, dying. It's unfortunate when something like this happens because since he's being so messy with it however also providing us insight or at least insight as to what's going on in his mind i have to remind myself like that isn't the norm we don't deserve that from her she's not going to do that necessarily like here i am being like okay we're getting his side what's she going to say and i have to come back to reality and be like there's a very solid chance she doesn't say much and that's totally acceptable right you know exactly a hundred percent so anyway if you want my honest opinion this guy is off his fucking rocker she dodged a serious bullet with this one and to me thank god she's so much better off she will find someone who will love her in a way that is healthy to her and not just instant gratification healthy yes yeah yes anything else you want to mention no i think that's it i'm so happy we got that out See, oh, i've been dying ever since those screen i posted them in patreon i didn't know what else to do it's the best thing to do it's the best thing to do <laughs> So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So next thing we wanted to talk about was Dax Shepard. And as I'm sure most of you know, he is a very successful podcast with his co-host Monica called Armchair Expert. And he typically kind of interviews all different genres of celebrities, goes very, very deep. And this week, he on Friday actually, he uploaded an episode called Day 7. And 
on Instagram, he posted and he said, an episode I hoped I'd never have to record, but one I felt I owed to all the beautiful armchairs who have been on this ride with me for the last couple of years. And basically what he said in this episode was, Dax has been sober for 16 years and over the past month or so, he relapsed. And basically what he was saying was that he suffered an opioid addiction as a result of an injury from a motorcycle accident last month. And he was talking about how over the past couple of years, there have definitely been instances where he's had an injury, he's been prescribed something, and there was a little bit of a gray area as to whether or not he thought that it was a relapse because technically he was prescribed, but he kind of internally knew that his relationship with the drug wasn't how it should be. Right. Like he described it as it got like shadier and shadier over time. Like the first time he did it, he talks about like he was injured and his father was dying and his dad was also an addict who was sober. And, you know, his dad was on Percocet for his, um, what he was suffering from. And Dax kind of talks about how like he was only supposed to be given the drugs for his injury by Kristen, like doling them out by the correct dosage. So when he went to go see his father, Kristen didn't come and he was like, okay, like the injury is not that bad anymore. I don't really need it to get through. I don't need to dole it out myself, whatever. So when he goes to visit his father, his father was on Percocet and Dax was like, okay, I'm in pain. I can take one because I'm already prescribed it. And he kind of talks about like how he didn't always have the best relationship with his dad, but in that one moment, like they were sitting together and like the final moments of his life, both high like for the first time together, whatever. And he kind of broke down afterwards and he was like, I feel really awful about what I've done. Technically, it's like still a gray area because I was prescribed medication and I didn't take more than the allotted dose. And so in that moment, he was kind of like, does that set back my six years of sobriety? And, you know, he kind of said that he consulted with people that he knew would kind of give him the answer he wanted, which was, no, it doesn't. You're still, you know, you're prescribed it. You don't have to set back the clock. So he kind of describes having instances similar to that every time he had an injury where like maybe he wouldn't take one at night, he would wait till the morning so he could double up on the dosage, but nothing, you know, where he was meeting somebody and buying from a prescription he didn't have until this last time. Right. Until this last time. And even when he was talking about that time with his dad, he said, you know, we both just sat there and we just looked up at our ceiling and it was kind of like this state of just pure relaxation. Yeah. And he was, yeah, it was, I have to say, I'll continue in a second, but I have to say, I am not an avid armchair expert listener. Honestly, I hear the most amazing things about it. I just personally am not really a listener, but I can understand why people would be um, curious to hear him speak because he is incredibly vulnerable, specifically for a celebrity. Yes. I was blown away at the detail with the raw detail with which he was talking. Yes. Cause there were a lot of things like, first of all, I do, I'm not going to say I think that he owed it to everyone to make this episode, but he has been so open about his sobriety that I think it would have felt disingenuous for him not to record this. So I'm not surprised at all he did. But what I will say is that there were a lot of details that he gave that he did not need to give. He did not need to give. And you know, the other thing is that I, I do think this is a unique situation because he is not just a celebrity himself, but Kristen is also a huge A-list celebrity. Mm-hmm. I think they both, I would qualify them both as A-list Yeah, definitely. Right? And you know, it's impossible to tell the story without discussing her involvement, which right. shows that Kristen is obviously completely comfortable with him speaking about this because she recognizes that it's such a huge part of his journey and sharing his journey. And he really said, and I, he wasn't bullshitting. He said, you know, the same way that I feel like I owe it to Kristen and Monica, I owe it to you guys. Right. You know, he, I genuinely think he feels like this because I think he thinks so much of his identity has become um, his relationship with his listeners. Yes. So much of it. Yeah. I so agree. And also, you know, part was so interesting was when he was talking about how, when he realized this time he like had a, a real problem and it was different than the last times. And he was kind of talking about how he was really, you know, gaslighting Monica and Kristen and he was coming up with all of these lies and the lies kept getting bigger and bigger and more intense. And he finally like, you know, decided that he couldn't do anymore. So he told the both of them. And then he told, this other guy who he really looks up to. And he was talking about his relationship with him. And the guy said to him, um, when he told him, how did it feel that you were just at your 16 year sobriety party and everyone was celebrating you for being sober. And Dax was like, it was the single worst hour of my life. That was, I could, I, as he, it was one of those things where as he was talking, I was envisioning the party and envisioning everyone coming up to him. And I'm, I'm assuming they had some cake and everyone saying, you know, we are so proud of you. What an amazing job. And here he is internally feeling so bad about it. I mean, meanwhile, he's high there at the party 
But the thing that he was saying that was also like very interesting and a really important point, I think, was when he was talking about how, yes, this does set back his sobriety technically, but also the reason he got sober was for cocaine and alcohol use. And he was like, while I was struggling with this specific addiction, I never felt like I needed a drink. I never felt like, okay, I've already done this. I might as well go back to cocaine. I might as well start drinking alcohol. And he was like, to me, that is still an incredible accomplishment. And the 16 years of that does not get thrown out just because something else came up. Exactly. It does not get erased. And I think that's something that Monica was really coaching him through because he is, he has a very hard time. I feel like, um, disassociating the behavior that he exhibited from like who he is kind of like, I think he was having this feeling of like, Oh my God, I realized I'm a bad person. I did bad. And she was like, no, she's like, you are a complex individual. You are allowed to be the person that you are and also relapse. And it doesn't make you any less of a person. It's just a something that you're struggling with. Whereas he, I think identifies a lot of his worth with his sobriety. And so that was hard for him. And the way that they were talking through it was clearly he is a, very supportive people around him. Yeah. And I, I, this was excellent. I thought, Oh my God. Yeah. It was I'm, amazing. I'm not a Dax Shepard. This is really my first introduction to him. I listened to maybe one other episode. Right. So I can imagine if you are a, a weekly listener, how much more intertwined you'd feel into the narrative. Right. I was just learning about it for the first time and I was still so interested. Yeah. No, I was, I was so captivated by his story. Yeah. And especially to the point that you were saying about like him feeling like he was a bad person. Like the other thing that he spoke about was like, he was like, I knew I was a different person this time though, because when I was at the worst of my addiction, like 16 years ago, he was like, I could gaslight anybody. He's like, I could lie. Like you wouldn't believe. I never thought twice about it. I didn't have any guilt associated with it. He was like, all I cared about was maintaining my story. And he was like, this time around, I tried to do it and I couldn't. He was like, it was the worst part of it. I knew what I was doing. I was so consciously aware of it. And I, he was like, I think that the reason that I just had to tell somebody was because, not because I necessarily felt like I needed help, like I couldn't get behind it. He was like, I just felt like I couldn't keep up with this gaslighting thing. Yeah. Because the thing that he was saying that was also really interesting that I think a lot of addicts kind of had this mentality where he was saying like, he was like, I just thought I was smarter than the drug. He was like, my friend said to me, like, your biggest downfall is your arrogance. And he was like, he was like, it's not that I didn't think I had a problem. He's like, I thought I was smarter than the problem. I thought I could do it in a smart way that wouldn't affect me or anything else. Right. So interesting. So interesting. And also so honest and something that you hear people that have had addictions speak to so frequently. You think it's not going to be me. I'm going to not this time. I'm going to figure out a way. Right. Every single time, even though he knew it's, it's, it was, yeah. You're so right. That was a great point. This was an excellent episode. And I have to say, Monica, again, I don't know much about her. I'm not an avid listener. However, I felt like if I was him, that is the exact type of person I would want there. Yes. She was supportive, yet not doesn't yes him to death, honest with him, mm-hmm. supportive, encouraging, compassionate, yet also firm when needed. And you can tell he has such a level of respect for her right. and so deeply values her opinion. And yeah. I think her and Kristen are the most important women in his life with the exception of his children. Right, exactly. That's a very unique place to be in. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, so anyway, obviously just, I one, I highly recommend anybody listening if you have, it's about 45 minutes. And second of all, just a lot of strength to Dax. And I, I like he said, you know, there are other people, he said, by telling this, if I could help one other person that's struggling, I will feel accomplished. Yeah. And I'm sure 100%. that he did. Yep. Anyway, okay, next thing we wanted to talk about, and I want to be careful in the way that we speak about this, is this Tory Lane situation. And the only reason we are mentioning him is because we want to condemn his behavior, not mentioning him to give him any sort of free publicity. I want to make sure people are aware of this just so you can understand the type of person that he seemingly is. Right, exactly. And I'm going to read the High Stambiety post. Yes, because I think it's perfectly said. Yeah. So as you guys know, the incident between Megan the Stallion and Tory Lanez where he shot her happened on July 12th. And he had not said anything since then. Megan had spoken about it, you know, in a couple of interviews, she had spoken about it on Instagram live and he really hadn't said a word. And on Thursday night, he kind of tweeted something saying, you know, I've been quiet. I'm sorry for my silence, but respectfully, I have time. And he announced on Instagram that he was dropping his new 17 track album, which had very kind of defensive, self-pitying lyrics, many that addressed the incident. One that said, quote, how the fuck you get shot in your foot, don't hit no bones or tendons. Kind of just honestly gaslighting her. Completely, Diminishing her pain, making it all about himself. Acting like it never happened. Like, 
there were three people in the car. It was Megan, her best friend, and you. So like who shot her a ghost? Right, exactly. I want to read this post. Hi, Snavati, which I don't know if you guys follow that account. They made an Instagram post that said, this is the last time we will cover Tory Lanez. The rapper just added to his list of disgraceful behavior by dropping the most toxic album of the year. He recently became a music industry pariah after Megan Thee Stallion revealed that he shot her during an incident that led to his arrest on July 12th. However, rather than publicly apologizing to Megan or addressing the issue, he released an album instead, using the media attention from the shooting to promote his work. Lane's moves are particularly sickening, considering the proximity to this week's ruling on the murder of Breonna Taylor. In 1962, Malcolm X said that, quote, the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. Taylor's memory has been used to sell magazines, get clicks, and win political favor. And yet, the, pol- the police officers responsible for her death were not brought to justice. Lanes has used the same logic to promote his album, exploiting the trauma enacted on black women for financial and cultural gain, while refusing to protect them or acknowledge their culpability. And that's why you'll never see him on our website or social platforms again. I thought that was excellently said. Excellently said. And a sentiment that we too echo. Yeah. Yeah. I have no patience for this. None. Don't want to give it the time of day. I think it's ridiculous. I've I, I've seen the way the internet has reacted and I've seen the way the comments on his social media, on her social media, and it's just... It's the invalidation. It, it's true. And I know that you and I cannot speak to this personally, nor would I ever pretend to, but it's a, it's a theme that we see so reoccurring, which is the constant invalidation of Black women's trauma. And also how quickly people will switch to protect Tori, to protect the man in the situation. Like literally Megan comes out honest from the start, obviously about everything, posted pictures from the hospital, which she didn't have to do. She doesn't have to prove herself, has told the story. Tori Lanez comes out with an album to promote himself, his music, his career, says it didn't happen with zero proof, zero explanation, nothing. And everyone is so quick to jump sides and be like, Megan was lying. How is Megan lying? She literally is the only one that's been honest from the start. How are you going to believe him over her? It's so mind boggling to me. No, it's so mind boggling. And you're so right though. It's, it's honestly less about him. I mean, yes, he happens to be, in my opinion, a really just uh, not a stand-up guy at all, but it's less about him and more so the way that people reacted to it. You're so right. Well, yeah. That is that to me is the most telling part about all this. There's always going to be that one asshole. Not all men are assholes. That's just, it's just right. true. Not all men would behave in the way that he did. Okay. Right. However, the way that the internet has reacted to this situation and the way that so many people just so clearly side with him blindly in a way. Right. It was like, he was the man in the situation. And I hate to use this, and I don't know, I do think that this would be a completely different conversation, as they were saying, you know, hypothetically speaking, if this shooting had occurred an hour before when they were still at Kylie's party and he had shot Kylie, what would the media be saying? It would be a very different way that it was reported on. The thing with this story is that it's so complex because it covers so many different layers because it, first of all, talks about Magna Stallion as a black woman. It talks about women versus men not versus, but like the idea of not being protected by men in general. And then the idea of society to so quickly switch up and be like, no, we, we trust the man in this situation, Mm -hmm. like completely invalidating the pain. It's that tweet that you and I always talk about that somebody said once, it was like, if you, if a guy's talking to you at a bar or like harassing you and you tell him that you have a boyfriend, he'll leave you alone because he automatically respects the man he doesn't see versus the woman that's standing right in front of him. Exactly. Such a so when you have that with a, added on top of that the intersectionality with, with her being a black woman adds right. so much there, yeah. So we echo the the sentiment of high snobiety, and obviously you guys know that our support is with Megan the Stallion. Anyway, next thing we wanted to mention was, as I'm sure you all know, Gigi and Zayn had their baby. We got to talk about this for maybe 30 seconds on the Kardashian episode. I can't believe they have a baby. I can't believe it. We didn't even speak about this because it hadn't happened yet, but sh- they obviously both posted a couple of pictures, not of her face or anything, but did you see she posted the, the outfit that she was in? And she was like, already in her outfit from Aunt Donatella Versace and other Aunt Taylor Swift. Right. Like, oh my God, that baby is... You're five days old. You're getting flowers from Kendall Jenner. You have a blanket made from you. The Taylor Swift made herself. Donatella Versace is clothing you. That's a unique kind of child. Oh my God, there's nothing like it. Also... There is not one thing in this whole world more classic than the celebrity baby holding the parent's finger reveal photo. There's nothing more classic. Remember Stormy's? I'll never forget. 
remember Stormy's. I'm afraid of my house. It's on my mantle. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't wait to see this kid. I'm so happy for them. I think they deeply, I really do think they deeply love each other. I can't wait to hear the name. I imagine it will include something, some elements from both of their cultures. I would imagine. I know that they both feel a really strong tie. I just, I'm just so happy for them. I really am. There's nothing else to say. I know. It's really exciting. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. Last thing we wanted to talk about before the award ceremony was Kristen Cavallari. So she last Wednesday spoke for the first time about her divorce and she spoke to people and she was saying that they had been struggling privately for years and they kind of made a very conscious effort to keep the issues with their marriage hidden from the public. And she said, quote, I always thought it was interesting when people would refer to us as couple goals. I was like, if you guys only knew. And she also spoke about how during filming last season, they were really at a low point. And she said, quote, we definitely kept a lot of stuff private. Producers saw stuff, but they didn't put it in the show, which is good because I don't want my kids to ever see that. It didn't happen overnight. We tried really, really hard for years and years. It was the hardest decision I've ever made. I still care so much about him and talk to him almost every day. We have three kids together. He's going to be in my life forever. Every relationship has their stuff. I met Jay when I was 23. I was a baby. Jay and I had so much love for each other, but we grew up. When you work at something for so many years and nothing's changing, I think you just have to make a decision. We all want to be happy. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course. Do you know one person that ever referred to them as couple goals? Never. Never, right? Never Never once. Because the tension on couple goals on a very super superficial level, like if you look at them, you're like, wow, what a beautiful couple with a beautiful home and a great life, et cetera. However, if you watch the show, yes, I think that it could be disguised as playfulness, but there was never that like warmth that I think we associate couple goals with. Like to me, when I think couple goals, I think much more of Justin and Haley. Well, D-Wade and Gab Union. D-Wade and Gab Union. I think it depends on the way that you view couple goals. And the way that I think about it is the way that I see them interact with each other and like the level of respect and love. So to me, I think D-Wade and Gab Union top. Also, Tiana Taylor and Iman Shumpert, Mm -hmm. very high level. Um, There's a million more that we could think of. Scott and Courtney. (laughs) Honestly, like, yeah. But you know, Chris and Corey. Yeah. I'm not putting... I'm still putting Justin Haley back in. Yeah, Justin yeah. Haley can go for that for, for me too. But there's just... A-Rod and J-Lo. A-Rod and J-Lo is a good one. I love yes. this game. I could play this game forever. But I never... Personally, I didn't see them as a couple goals just because I felt there was always this underlying tension. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And also, I still do feel like there's a piece of this story missing. Like, I totally believe her, of course, that this has been building up for years. That's not a question. And I'm not saying she has to give us that explanation. It could have been just like one accumulating fight that ended it, but the timing of getting back and then it being over that day, it was just a little weird. There was some, there's definitely there's something, something more, but it's fine that we don't know. We may or may, ne- may, may or may not ever find out and that's fine. I can live with that. Yeah. Actually, one thing that I wanted to mention before the award ceremony, Jordan Woods. Yes. Okay. You guys, as I'm sure you saw, it was Jordan's 23rd birthday, her Jordan year. She had this whole kind of get together Jordan year themed and This may be, I said to Julie before, I was like, I'm almost embarrassed that I didn't know this, but judging by our DMs, I don't think other people really knew this either. Jordan Woods is apparently dating Carl Anthony Towns from the Minnesota Timberwolves. He got her two Birkins, a Chanel clutch, an autographed Michael Jordan jersey. There has apparently been speculation that they started dating in August 2019. 
I knew nothing about this until she was posting. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed. No, no, you don't get it. I'm obsessed with this. Good for her. Oh my God. A Birkin's, I, I know I said this on the Patreon episode and we talk, talked about it a little bit. A Birkin's a serious gift. Not monetarily. That's not what I mean. I just mean like the idea of giving someone else a Birkin. I think so too. We were saying this. I, I think it's totally different. Listen, you have to take away when you're evaluating a situation like this, we can't think in terms of your average person. So if we're thinking of celebrity gift giving, right? To spend $20,000, $30,000 on a birthday gift for someone that you've only been dating for six months really isn't that big a deal. However, I do think that different items carry different weight. You have to put it on a sliding scale. Exactly. You have to put it on a sliding scale, like the rating game we were playing. We'll explain that in another episode. Um, and the Birkin to me ha- symbolizes something. I don't think you're getting a Birkin for someone that you're just dating, even if you're going to spend the same amount of money. And again, I'm speaking in celebrity terms. Right. Like, Okay you could take two trips, right? Like you could take a trip. One is a less serious trip. If you're dating somebody for a couple of months and you go to Cabo, not a huge deal. If you're dating someone and you take them to Italy, that's a more serious trip. So it's not about monetary when you're trying to figure it out because also like we always talk about this, like the struggle of gift giving when you're in Hollywood where it's like, what do you get the person that has everything? And most people have enough. Like there has to be some level of significance behind it or it's like something, you know, sentimental, something that means something. So like a Birkin, when you're talking about that, like it's not just a bag. It's not like getting them a Chanel. It's not like getting them another bag because you're putting it on that scale of this means something. This has weight behind it. Also, she was posting all these pictures of them on the beach. I just, she, she seems so loved and happy. Imagine being a Birkin. I mean, I don't even know. You're, you're the most desired thing to ever. exist. First of all, you live with Drake. You, if you're a Birkin, you have permanent spots in Drake's closet because he recognizes how exceptional you are, that he is keeping you basically on ice for his future wife. That is an unbelievable accomplishment. Oh my God. I cannot imagine being a Birkin. Everyone loves you. Everyone wants you. You're the chicest. Everyone can spot you from a mile away. There's so many different variations of you also, which is so interesting. Yeah. So much, yeah. So much personality, so much color, so much flavor. Wow. In my next life. I'm coming back as a Birkin. I'm coming back as a Birkin. I know. Anyway, I didn't know that they were dating. I'm sorry if that makes us sound really uninformed, but I don't, Judging from our DMs, other people didn't know either. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm just so excited about it. It's funny though, because she has posted, I don't know, the last, let's say six or so months, maybe not cryptic captions or not cryptic stories, but she's definitely posted things where you're wondering who is the love interest that she's talking about. Yeah. But also what's interesting is that what I found out when I was doing a little research on this is that like a couple of months ago, like that thing in August, 2019, when people thought they were first together, like speculating about it, they asked her about it. And she was like, no, I love him like a brother. Like he's like a brother to me. And so everyone keeps bringing that up now. And she's like, somebody commented something on her Instagram. It was like, I thought he was like a brother. And she was like, things change. Like I said said what I said or whatever, but like things are definitely different We should put that in now. Yeah, we will. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pink screens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like, I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic non-stick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, Once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. 
So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Moving on to the award ceremonies. We only have funniest comment of the week this week. There wasn't really a clapback that qualified. But as I'm sure all of you saw this, and it's a seamless transition to the Kardashian recap, Kim posted an old photo of her, Kendall, Kylie, and Chloe at Benihana, captioned Babies at Benihana. Kylie comments, delete this immediately. And Kim responds at Kylie Jenner, should I diddy crop you out? Obviously, we were like, holy fuck, we have to do something with this. <laughs> should I tell them the story? Yeah, tell them. <laughs> so I was on a mini road trip with my dad when this happened. And we just switched over driving. So before we started, we were at the rest stop. And I always text Julian Isabel, like, just so you guys know, I'm going to be driving. If you need me, text the group chat with my dad and he'll read it out loud. So... I, only, I knew that they were only going to use this option in like a very dire circumstance if you right. really needed something. Right. So my, my dad gets a text. That, All right, Julie wants something. So she's reading it. Steve, can you read this out loud to Emma? Sends a screenshot of the comment before we do it. Obviously my dad can't see it. So he's like, All right, I got to zoom in. He's zooming in. He's like, Kim Kardashian, babies at Benihana. Like 30 seconds later, zooms into the next one. At Kylie Jenna delete this immediately. Just no idea what's going on. I called Julie and we ended up putting the Diddy picture side by side with the Kylie picture because that is such an important artistic decision to show that really Diddy just crapped them out with absolutely zero regard. Love to see it, by the way. I appreciate it. I mean, listen, the caption on the picture that Diddy had posted was black excellence. So they kind of had to be cropped out, but it's still... So funny. Yeah. It's just funny that the Kardashians use that in their vocabulary because we use it in our vocabulary. Yes. And what was even funnier about that is the point of like Diddy Instagrammed it, but Kylie also Instagrammed it. So there, it's not like that picture existed and only one of them Instagrammed it. So you only saw like the Diddy version, like Kylie Instagrammed it and then Diddy Instagrammed it with her cropped out, which is yeah. just so funny. So funny. So congratulations, Kim. You receive our award for funniest comment of the week. That could be her first time. It definitely is her first time. We never give it to Kardashians. Not bad for a girl, no talent. <laughs> <laughs> also seamless kind of move into our Kardashian recap. There's not so much here. Kim and Kanye were at some wedding date night. Also, Chris was on Ellen and she spoke about the decision to end the show. She said, it was kind of sudden. I think we were talking about signing up for another couple of years with our network and suddenly just all came to the decision that as a group, the whole family felt it was time. It sort of just came to us and we thought 20 seasons, 14 years, Hundreds of episodes and lots of spinoffs. And Ellen also asked if Chloe and Tristan are going to have more kids. And Chris said, you never know around here. Like I said, I never count anybody out for the count. You never know what's going to happen. Oh, I could see that totally. Well, I was going to say, have you seen how pretty much every morning Kim's been posting her sneakers, Chloe sneakers, mm, and Tristan's sneakers? She did it again this morning. Yeah, like early morning crew, no days off. So not that we needed any sort of additional confirmation that Chloe and Tristan were living together, but there we have it. Do you think it'll ever be not weird to see them all posting together? Like, it's still kind of like, I, I know they're together, like, and I get it, and I don't think it's weird to see them hanging out. But every time Kim posts, like, of their sneakers or just them without True, like, I still am like, oh. It's not, I still get a little thrown off. You're not alone in that. So many people send us Kim's story and I always expect, because when someone messages us, I can only see the first thing before I actually see the message. And they're like, holy fuck, Kim's story. And I always think it's going to be something huge. And then I go to it and it's just Tristan's feet. But I think right. you're right. That some for some reason that elicits the same shock reaction from people. And I think it's just because we are so influenced by our own kind of disgust for Tristan. Yeah, but I also think that because maybe it's because Chloe hasn't come out and officially said, like, leave us alone, we're back together. Everything still kind of feels like an unconfirmed clue, even though you know it. Like, it's like when Chloe and Kylie were pregnant. Like, we knew they were pregnant. There was no doubt in my mind. I, but every single time we saw a glimpse of something or something that pointed in that direction, we couldn't believe it again. Yeah, you're so right. I, th- you're, I really think in this moment, I changed my answer. I think it's because Chloe hasn't said anything. Yeah, I think that once Chloe says something, like, we'll all be like, okay, fine. Like, I just think we're all waiting for that official confirmation. I think that happens a lot, actually. Yeah. Now that you're saying it, I think with pretty much everything until the official source confirms it or something just as close to it, aka Chris saying something. Right. Like, that Scott comment was pretty damning. Like, and then also one of the things when Kim posted the story, it was like a caption about being a third wheel. 
Yes. That was pretty, that was, that was the first thing I think Kim had said about it. Right. I think Kim's, Kim and Chris's word carry the most. Yes. In terms of all of us legitimizing whatever the thing is. I think it's also possible that they haven't decided what they are yet. Yeah. And they don't want to say anything. before. Like there's no label on that. They're just together and living together. But like, what does it mean for them? Like, are they engaged now? Are they going to get married? Are they going to have another kid? Is this serious? Are they just like a lot of possibilities there? I have absolutely no idea. I don't know. I will be very curious. I mean, we see in the previews that apparently there are going to be some discussion about the state of their relationship. I know. That's obviously the thing about Kardashians this season that I'm the most interested in. Of course. And Scott. Scott, yes, but I'm... Yes, I'm in, yes, I am interested in Scott, but I'm more interested More in Chloe interesting because now this is the process of them getting back together. Like last season, it was very much like them figuring out co-parenting, which was obviously interesting. And them ending with, you know, Chloe talking about maybe getting pregnant, maybe using, you know, Tristan as just the sp- sperm donor. Like that was interesting. But now we're kind of over that hump and we're going to see it, the process of them actually getting back together. Right. Hopefully. Right. Wow. That's something. I mean, I know I've said it before, but I'm just 0% surprised about them getting back together. I wonder, like, are there people that are shocked by this? I don't think it's shock. I think that sometimes what happens, speaking from personal, my own personal, uh, like, in depth, being intertwined into the situation, or at least my own opinions on it, is I think sometimes what you want can overshadow what you know is happening. Right. And I guess, really, truly, I do mean it. If Chloe is happy, we are happy. And I'm going to just still believe that she knows what's best for her and that her family wouldn't support something that wasn't. However, I can't help but feel watching the way that she was disrespected. Of course, I'm upset about her still being with that person. I do think people can change, but I don't know. It's hard to say what you would do in this situation. You and I don't have kids. I don't know what we would do for in the situation we have a child. I if you ask me right now, my gut of what I would do in that situation, I would, of course, my first reaction would say I would never be with someone that would do that to me. Absolutely not to public embarrass me while I'm in labor. But you twice. can't twice. But you can't a hundred percent say it until you're in the situation. No, and she's hardly the first celebrity to go back to somebody or to stay with somebody despite what everyone else thinks or despite what's probably in her best interest. No, completely. Oh my god, that that could be its own episode. Oh my god. There are so, so many. I mean, everyone's kind of saying that about like Jen and Brad. Obviously, they're not together. But the whole discussion now is like, why is everybody obsessing over them getting back together? Look what he did to her. I, we're included in that, by the way. Of course we are. I can't help it. I, 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 I don't apologize for that. It's been a while. I'm not saying I've moved past it or can, like it's not my place to forgive him. If she can forgive him and move past it, then like I feel okay with focusing on the way they interact with each other. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I don't know what's going to happen there. Oh, I'm so interested. Tristan and Chloe is like, it's so interesting. Watching this unfold and watching this play out the way it has, has been. I'll never get sick of thinking about it, talking about it. I'm far more interested, and I don't know if this is a popular thought personally, in the state of Chloe and Tristan's relationship and what goes on there, but uh, more than Kylie and Travis. Same. Uh, so much more. I thought you were going to say than Kim and Kanye. No, that's different though. It's different. I was going to say I'm still more interested than Kim and Kanye because Kim and Kanye makes me sad. Yeah. Clo- yeah. Chloe and Tristan, I think, well, no, Courtney and Scott is obviously my top in terms of caring about interfamily relationships. Yes. In terms of caring about the future of that relationship. Right. Like I care absolutely, number one, the most about them getting back together. No, but also- Or staying together. But also, yes, but also I'm the most curious if I could have if I could have an inside camera into what's currently going on, I would want to know what it's like for Scott and Courtney, hypothetically, if they were like just casually hooking up right now, I'd be so much more curious in that than in Chloe and Tristan's current. Same. I agree with you. I do agree with you. Courtney and Scott are just always going to be at the top of my list. Of course. Kim and Kanye, it's like, you just have so many questions that are not getting answered. It's just different. Kim posting date night was interesting. I know that she's been with him. I know she's posting them, but date night carried a different, carried a different weight, I think. Yeah. I, yeah, that's a whole other, that's that a whole was other situation. That was telling. I don't know. I'll be curious to see what's what's the deal there. But yeah, Jesus. I mean, I I mean, I think about Courtney and Scott before I go to bed every night. I just I need you it. Say a little prayer. Yeah, I, I, of course. Come on. How could you not? How could you not? For, isn't today today's Sam Kipper? Yeah, so I'm fasting. If I fast the whole day, do you think they'll get back together? I was, I was going to say, is there any sort of prayer we could do? 
I don't think this is like literally the holiest day of the year. <laughs> it is literally the holiday of repentance. We are supposed to be like sitting alone with, the, we're not supposed to be recording this. We're not supposed to have water bottles next to us. Like we are supposed to be sitting alone with our thoughts, repenting for our sins. And you and I are in here like, what is the Hebrew prayer for hoping Courtney and Scott get back together? <laughs> that, if that doesn't just, that is us in a nutshell. Yeah, in a, in a nutshell. Yeah, wow. I don't know. We'll see what happens there. What else do you want to mention? I don't know. I don't want it to end though. I know because I've never, I didn't realize how much anxiety I get from the lag until not having that as a possibility. It feels amazing. I may come here every week. You guys don't get it. So Yeah, of course you can. It's so funny (laughs) when when people say like, I'm now realizing certain things we do, we definitely only started doing once we started recording virtually. It's true when people say like, sometimes we ask for validation. Both of us do this at the end of sentences. Like I've seen a couple of reviews like, love the podcast so much, but wish you guys wouldn't ask. Like, does this make sense? It's like, I get how that's annoying as a listener and I'm sorry. However, if you were sitting alone in a closet speaking on this very long rant and then looking up and realizing nobody's here to listen to you, you have no idea if you're making sense. So seeing, being able to see you and see your facial reactions is totally game changing. I feel like one time that I needed to clarify. When you're talking, you're sitting alone, you're talking into an abyss. Like there is no one nodding their head. There's no one saying anything. So like, and also like the way you and I both talk, I think very specifically me also though, like I'll just talk and not realize what point I'm trying to get to and just hope I find it along the way. So like when you add that on top of the fact that there's no one sitting there, like saying like, yeah, you're, you're getting there. You're doing a great job. Like it is a very weird feeling. It's bizarre. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. This is great. This, I love this. This is amazing. I know we were nervous, but I don't, I think it was okay. I was so nervous. What did you, what were you nervous about? Um, I, I felt like I, I felt like I changed the way that I podcasted when we did it virtually because I felt like, I don't know, there is a difference when you can't see the person. Yeah, of course. This definitely is a game changer. <laughs> we're acting like we've never done it before. We ha- I forgot what it was like. I genuinely forgot what it was like to be together. Me too. Oh my God. This was the best thing ever. I'm I'm so happy. I'm having so much fun. (laughs) We might have to end this. (laughs) Okay. Well, what else do you want to mention? Anything, anything else about anything? About anything ever. About anything ever or this week? I don't think so. I feel like we really covered it. Was this week, like, I feel like it wasn't that crazy. No, it wasn't that crazy. I think the Demi thing was really overshadowing. The Demi thing makes me mad. I know. It makes me mad. I'm so not into this guy. Well, I think it's done now. I can, cause I can confidently tell you, I don't give a shit what else comes out. I don't care what happened. The way that he dealt with it, to me, it's so much less about the situation and the way that someone deals with it. The mm-hmm. way that he dealt with it to me is the most telling. I can never go back to feeling a different way about him after that. That was the most childish, immature. It's also thing. easy to not go back when you didn't know anything of what they were like before. Yes. Exactly. Like with Tristan and Chloe, honestly, like I, can't like I'm having a hard time moving past what he did but I also know what he was like to her before when they were together and like I have a positive view of that so like them getting back together isn't the craziest thing to me like I can understand it if Demi and and this guy were to get back together I'd be like okay I don't understand it because the only view I have of you is the negative thing. yeah so 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 true yeah that's very accurate well the one thing that I wanted to mention sorry just as a housekeeping note is that Isabel and I typically had been releasing our Bravo podcast on Friday because the way that we were doing it was, okay, regular episode gets released on Monday. We release, release the Kardashian episode Thursday night at like 9.30 right after the episode airs. So then we can release Bravo on Friday. And the reason we were doing it was because we had to wait to watch New York on Thursday nights. But now New York is over. Secrets Revealed is this Thursday. I don't know if it's going to be good. So there's a chance that Isabel and I record the podcast earlier so we could just release it on Potomac. But if we think that New York Secrets Revealed is going to have enough substance, we may just do it on Friday. But there will definitely be a Bravo episode. It's just maybe earlier in the week. Definitely by Friday, but potentially earlier. I don't know. Which, I'm not sure yet. We're still figuring that out. That sounds fun. Yeah. it's It's been fun. I'm so grateful we get to do that. Oh my God. It's so much fun. I'm yeah. so happy for you guys. Yeah. Okay, anything else at all? That's it. Oh, well, there's a bunch of TikTok stuff, but like, it's too much. Griffin and... We're so all over the place today. <laughs> Griffin, Dixie, Noah. It's kind of crazy. You guys got to watch. Dixie came out with her first YouTube of the Dixie D'Amelio show and she interviewed Noah and then they switched places. If you care, it's just an interesting I don't watch. think they're together. I think it's a little bit fake. I don't I know. I do too. I just don't see the chemistry. No. No. Yeah. I don't either. I think it was, it, listen, it was a, it was an understandable they did it potentially for the music video. Yeah. I think that 
hey, that's the way these things work. We were we were high as a kite last night watching that. Oh my god, that edible hit me like a ton of bricks. It did. It, it hit you. Wow, that was amazing. That was so much fun. I'm so, so happy we're back together. Yeah, I, mean, I can't even tell you guys. And and my dad got to be with Julie and Isabel yesterday. Outside, don't worry, we were safe. Yeah, outside, of course. And everybody's obviously been safe. I would never, never, I don't want anyone in this house, so. Yeah, of course, I would never come. Yeah. Anyway, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. It's so much fun. I feel like right now we're in a little bit of a dream. And um, we will see you guys on Thursday for Kardashians and potentially earlier for Bravo. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.